I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Episode 31. We missed you on Tuesday. You know why I love you? Is because I just said to, I just said to you, I'm like, fuck, I wish, I wish I got to play against John Hayden 40 times a year. Cause we were just, Riv and I were just watching the Maroon Good Branson fight. And you're like, you can't say that. Cause you would have killed him. I'm like, yeah, I think you give him, give me more credit than, than, than I deserve. I said, but, but you know what I love about you is I'll never forget the ride to the airport. And I know I've referenced this before when we were on our, our old show on live air. But I, I know I referenced this before. The just, you know, I was, I was so self-deprecating, and I, I just, I didn't believe in myself, and and it was my last year on my deal here. And you're like, oh my god, I've never seen a man your size as tough as you. Well, I had you fooled. As tough as you that has your kind of skill. Oh my god, that's why I love you. I think you just, you, you, you always just pump my tires. Up. Anyway. Oh, I'm, not, I, I'm there for you, bud. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, you know, I listen, know. I, I, <laughs> we've talked about this at length for probably the last seven years that we've been kind of together, you know, doing these, uh, these live Mark. talk shows. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, the one thing I will say is you, uh, you know, you put yourself down a lot and, uh, I just, I sit back and I just smile and laugh. I know. And, uh, and, and I but, really, I really, I really laugh inside because I know, and I think you do too. I think you really actually do. Oh you man, make I was fun, unbelievable. You make fun of your career. <laughs> I was unreal though. I was super skilled. You make fun of your career. I'm not kidding when I say that. Yep. But I'll tell you this, you were super skilled, super, super skilled. And I'm going to tell you, can I, can I bring something up too? Like there was another guy in the league that was very, very much like you. And in San Jose at the time, you know, uh, Doug Wilson had, had, uh, called me in and, you know, at the time we were in a pretty tough conference, uh, in, in, uh, in out West, it, it was extremely, extremely physical, very, very tough, a lot of tough guys. And we needed, we needed some help. There's no question about it. So Doug Wilson went out and got, uh, Jody Shelley. I remember that trade. Okay. And Jody Shelley, you're thinking about this guy, you know, all you think about is how much he fights. He was fighting constantly and he was fighting the toughest of the tough. He was and the toughest of the tough. He was up there. He sure. was, he was. And uh, I'm going to tell you this. The one thing you don't appreciate with players like this is how good they are until you actually see them on a daily basis and you see their skating and you see their skill set and you see their hockey IQ in order to make plays. It, it was, it was incredible watching Jody Shelley play Yeah, because he yeah. was 10 times better than what, what people out there. Then what his stats would have indicated. Well, you know, listen, I mean, he had a role. Okay. Right. Back in the day, back in the day, years ago, there was actually roles on the team. 
So everybody had a role. You know, you had your guys that scored goals. You had your guys that were the, you know, the, the Adam Oates and the, and the Craig Jannies, the guy that moved the puck, the Backstroms. There's guys that were penalty killers. There's guys that were physical um, energy guys, guys that just knew exactly when the pulse need to be, it needed to be pushed because their team needed life. So those guys would go out and, and show their stuff. There was guys that were ex- insanely tough guys that were, um, you know, the policemen, the enforcers, guys that made the top players on every single team feel comfortable about what they were doing on the ice. There was offensive defensemen. There was defensive defensemen. There was guys that fought on the back end, guys that were extremely nasty and physical. And there was all types of roles that made up these teams. Now, nowadays, I mean, holy smokes. I mean, there's no difference between, you know, your first line and your fourth line on, on some of these. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. People are rolling. Well, sure. No, but you're, you're not, you're not that far off. There's not, there's not defined roles. There's no more defined roles in hockey. And I think uh, it's too bad because I think, uh, you know, with what I watched last night with the Sabres, especially in the first period, thank God. Thank God. Thank God that they uh, least showed they up for the second and third. Yeah, they. I mean, I was. I, I'm going to tell you this. I gave them. I gave them five ten minutes. I said, <laughs> "I'll give. I'll give this team half a period, and I'm shutting it off." Because what I watched in the first period was was not acceptable for a fan. And what I mean by that, I know it's not acceptable for the players. But what we watch as fans right now was completely unacceptable. I mean, well, the execution, well, the the uh, desire, I mean, it was non-existent. So you texted me at uh, 728. Are you watching? I was like, yeah, I'm watching. Then you said, this is unwatchable. And I said, unwatchable is the best word you could use. And then you go, I'm tweeting. <laughs> I love when you hit the fucking Twitter rim. I love when you go to Twitter. Because I, don't, I don't go to Twitter very often. You don't go I'm to Twitter, Twitter very guy. often. You went to Twitter. You went to Twitter Twitter last year, and you got a little peepee slap from our boss at the time. Now you can go to Twitter yeah. as much. Remember that? You're like, yeah, no peepee slap what anymore. You, careful, what, careful what you say about our boys. But you wrote, uh, I know there's a snowstorm. This is at 737. Okay, seven o'clock puck drops, so like seven oh eight. So this is about twenty-five minutes into the game, about halfway through the first period, maybe a little bit more. I know there's a snowstorm! Exclamation! I know there's players out that tested positive for COVID! Exclamation! And then in all capitals, but this is unwatchable. Unwatchable. Am I wrong? No, you're you're hundred percent. Did you read some of the comments? I mean, I mean, God, I mean, it's like, you know, someone writes in. Don't worry, guys, they're learning. Um, there's he, someone writes. There's like ten dudes out there that won't even be on the Sabers roster in April. Um, Jr. Jr. Who doesn't tweet to many or tweet often, and only comes on our show. He's exclusive uh, exclusive to us, by the way. Says, "Welcome to pro hockey ribs," and and I just sit and I think like. Oh my God. And then they came out, they played all right in the second and third, but 
there were two incidents too where I, I mean it's like and and you got my you got my blood boiling because now I'm watching the game and I'm like I'm like how is like I don't even care if you have Tuck out all these guys out with COVID like how come you can't fill your roster with guys that look like they actually give a shit like I know I mean I hear it on Twitter all the time like your stats and how many goals you had in your career and I you know and I just think to myself fucking how many did you have bud but like I literally. I just think, how hard is it? How hard is it to actually just show like you give a shit? Show like you care. Play like you care. Play like you actually have something to lose. I mean, I feel like every guy is so goddamn comfortable these days. It's like, I'm baffled. I'm baffled. And we've, and we have, this is the 34th game of the year. And we haven't even really been that hard on the team. We haven't talked much about the team. We watched the games, but we haven't talked much about it because we understand that it's a learning season. Well, what are they learning? What what are they learning? Now, someone called me out. They're like, don't you want hitting out of hockey? No, I want blindside hits, open ice hits, guys trying to kill someone coming through the middle with their head down. But when you forecheck, like, like, uh, Number 74 there, uh, Aspen. 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 And I sent the video out. And I said this, and I said, this it's video a, doesn't. It's a depiction of, of the way they played. It's the whole team. I mean, it's, but it's. Well, that's, that's not fair to guys like Dylan Cousins, guys like Tuck when he's in the lineup, guys, you know, that, that tribe. But when you have John Hayden, okay, and I tweeted a video out, and, and yeah, I got a little animated in it, but that's the whole point of the video. And he slams on the brakes. This is a fourth line right winger. Fourth this line, is a fourth tough guy. Line. This is your. This is you sign. Well, I don't that's, care that's how tough uh, he is or not. debatable how tough he is, but uh, but is he not required to? Is he not required to provide physicality for this team? Energy. Well, that would be a defined role, yes, because okay. he's not out there to score goddamn goals. I'll tell you that. He's out there to add physicality. He's out there to add energy. He's out there to to make the right plays, put pucks deep and skate, skate hard, skate with some aggression. I love what he did in the, you know, his first shift of the game. Great. He ended up getting in a fight. Um, You know, I, for me, what's the reason for getting in a fight at that point in the game? Those are the things that I would not want to see. I want to see, when someone gets, I, I, I want to see when it's three, one and that video that I posted him run that guy over and then be addressed. Yes. That's that is where he needs to fight. It's like, you know what? I'm out here. I'm going to run somebody over and then they're going to have to come to me. And I remember coaches saying, don't just go out there and fight first shift, go get engaged in the game, hit somebody hard, make them come to you, give them a reason to have to fight you. You're good. You're probably going to have to fight the guy anyway. Okay. But yeah. give him a reason. Don't just make it easy for again, him. Again, this, we like I, I want, and I think you understand this. If this is not, this is not about fighting. This is about guys playing the right way. Thank this you. is not a, this is not about, Hey, we need more fighters in the Buffalo Sabres. We don't need more fighters. We need guys that need to play the game the right way. Cause I'm going to tell you right now, those like for me, watching this game, watching a defenseman, I was played 16 years in the National Hockey League. Okay. I remember 
pucks going into my zone, having to turn around, pivot. I'd have to check my shoulders to see who is coming in to throw the body check, had to protect myself, but also at the same time, make a play under pressure. It's extremely difficult job. There's it's extremely difficult. That being said, a puck goes in San Jose defenseman goes back for the puck. He has time to look up. He has time to make a play. And Rasmus Asplund swings his stick. It is mind-boggling. He should never, and I mean never. I don't care, Don. I hope you're listening, but that guy should be on the damn bench. Oh, no, 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 Craig. He was on the power play a few minutes later. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's disgusting. You want to teach kids? Sit them on the damn bench. Rasmus Asman's not on this team to score goals. He's not on this team to be a, a 50, 60, 70 point guy. He's there for being defensively responsible. He needs to add energy and physicality. And if he doesn't want to do it, go get somebody else. I am tired. I have literally watched this team for years and years and years. It's almost like it's literally almost like someone's telling them not to hit. It's exactly what I said in the video. I said, I am convinced that somebody is telling these guys that they don't have to finish checks. Like John Hayden. It's big bread man. and butter, man. He's this a is- big man. He skates well. He's forechecking into the offensive zone. A player has the puck. He has the ability to make a stiff body check straight on. And he puts on the brakes. These are unacceptable. Just absolutely unacceptable. You want to know why this team's so easy to play against? It's, it's ridiculous. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's like, we're, we're continuing to sit here and be patient. Okay. And talk about, you know, the Dylan cousins and the Tage Thompson's and, and all of these younger players, we're looking at allowing them to make mistakes. Okay. We're allowing them to make mistakes because they're young and this is a transition year and it's all about learning. Sometimes learning is sitting your ass on the bench when you won't do what, what it takes to win hockey games. And I mean, they're, 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 you, you know, if you got to shorten, like after that first period, after that first period, if you got to shorten the bench down to nine, nine skaters, then do it. You're, you're down yeah. three, nothing like, let, let, you know, you can't, you can't just keep, you can't go in as a coach and be like, rah, 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 rah. And then expect them to all respond and then go into a post game press conference and, 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 and blame like, uh, it was just a couple guys. I would say that it was a vast majority of the team last night that that yeah. contributed in that effort. And I, you can say what you want about the and last listen, two periods, but did they San o- did they get better? Did they get better? Well, did, yes. did they get better, or did San Jose kind of you know? San Jose went into a, an absolute shell. Right. Let's let's not let's. They let's weren't not, trying to make it four, five, six, nothing. They wanted to get out. They had three. You have enough goals to win a game. They were playing like a one four. They were playing a one four. You want to know why Rasmus Dahlin looked so good carrying the puck up the ice? Because there was zero pressure. There was zero. So all he had to do highlight was one guy. Highlight reel. Can make a highlight reel, apparently. It, it's uh it's it, again, it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch. I don't, you know, listen, we've been watching this for a long time and I know that there's players, there's players here on this team that are, that are getting better. And 
it's very apparent to everybody that watches this team that they lack um, some, some skill. Okay. They lack some skill, but I'm going to tell you this, there's guys that are on the up and coming. And that's why, you know, I, I tend to not say very much. Okay. I'm not on Twitter um, ripping on the team because they're, because they're losing games. They're one of the top five worst teams in the national hockey league. Again, for like, what, what is this? Seventh, eighth year. I don't go on there. I don't, I don't go on and rip this team. I, I understand. I think you understand. I think the, I think the fans also understand that we are, we have to be patient. I know we, we were told to be patient six years ago. Okay. And that, that, that rebuild did not work. You're actually starting a rebuild right now. You're starting a rebuild right now. This, this year, this is not a, a strong hockey team. There are some band-aids that are filling the roster, but I think with what we have up and coming in a very short future, might be next year, might be the year after that, but there are some really, really talented hockey players coming in. Here's the thing. Talent is going to win you games. There's no question about it. You go and look at, you know, um, whether it's Tampa Bay um, or, or the Colorado Avalanche, they have elite skills. They have super high-end players. That's why they're always at the top of uh, the standings. But they also have a rounded-out group of players that play a certain style. They play a certain style. And uh, I just look at, I look at the, you know, the, the players on this team it is not a good makeup and it hasn't been a good makeup for, uh, I can't even tell you how many years I'm watching the same thing. This is why they my need- rant. I no, apologize I- for everybody for, for ranting, but I mean, when, why when I apologize, why when I people see guys are, people going are in- sick, man, they're tired of this. And they, this is, I've said this before and I know it's sound like I've lived here. My brother and I were out for dinner the other night. I went to the dinosaur barbecue, by the way, is absolutely phenomenal not the next morning, but it was phenomenal at the time. And my brother, who he, he's a very astute hockey person. Uh, he, he knows the game of hockey. And he, he's like, you've lived here for how long, Andrew? I've been living here for since 2003. And it sounds like I, I am. And when I say this, it sounds like I'm, I'm, you know, you have your, you have your guys that do your broadcasting that literally kiss the fans asses. I'm not kissing the fans' asses when I say this. This is one of the smartest fucking hockey towns in the NHL, okay? And one thing that they identify more than anything, and a lot of it has to do with the the makeup of Buffalo, a very hardworking community, is hard work, okay? You can't bullshit hard work. You can't. Can't you can pull a Paul Gostad when you're bag skating and skate and whip your arms around really really hard and make it look like you're skating harder so the coach will look and be like, well, look at Goss, he's really going hard. But that you can identify, you can totally identify a bullshit effort. Okay. How hard is it to provide that? How hard is it to find players like that? Like Look, look, I'm not going to go to, I'm done with the guys like Olofsson. I'm done with the guys like Asplund. I'm done with the Bjorks, whether these guys are playing or not in the lineup. I'm done with the Hinnestroses. Like, I'm done. 
go and get some, if you're going to have a team that you don't think is going to be successful, surround your young talent with a bunch of guys like Nate Thompson. Okay. Nate Thompson, guys like that, work their ass off, play physical, do anything for your team. Good leaders. I'm not saying go get Nate Thompson. He's almost 40. But what I'm saying is find those players, find the guys that are going, you talk about connectivity, Kevin Adams, go and find players that can connect to the fan base. Because I read our comments. I read the comments after your tweet, your tweet alone, Never mind the videos I sent out. And I sit and I just read them. And I'm like, these fans are not stupid. They are not blind. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. They know the game. They know what to expect. They know what they expect and what they want and what they're asking for every single player in your lineup on a nightly basis should be able to provide it. Let me ask you a question. Sure. When you watch the Sabres games, do you watch solely the Sabres from start to finish? Or do you watch, like for me, I'll tell you what I do. Um, any commercial break, anything like that, I'm flicking to other, other games. Other games that interest me, okay? When you sit there and we talk about, and I'm going to tell you right now, you sent out two clips yesterday, two clips. And all they were is about finishing a body check. Not asking for, for, I'm not asking for, for them people, to hurt anybody. For people out there, for people out there, you're saying, well, it's just a body check. It's just one body check. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to describe to you what I talked about 10 minutes ago about a defenseman like myself, who played in the National Hockey League for a long time. When pucks went in and I had to turn around and sprint back, checking my shoulders, knowing that I'm going to get hit, okay? When I go back and I make that play and I do not get hit, that goes into my memory bank, okay? Because the next shift or even the shift that I was on, the puck might go out of our zone. It might regroup. It might go back into my zone again. I've got to go back. I've got to check my options. I'm computing what I'm going to do. The play is made. And then I protect myself because normally you get hit. But if I don't get hit a second time, what happens the third time that I go back? I'm going back. I know I have more time because I know I'm not going to get hit. So I'm now making better plays, sharper plays, and the execution is there. I look at this kid from San Jose that goes in and he's computing the exact same thing as what I would have done when I played. Okay. Rasmus Asplund goes in and I mean, I can't even imagine when you look at the video, how to explain that. 
I would love to know the answer of what Rasmus Asplund is thinking in this. I want to know what Don Granado says to him. Nothing. He doesn't say anything. You want to know why? Because it's been happening all year. It's been happening for, I mean, a really long time here. Really long time. I'm not asking players to put themselves out of position, but there's things that you do so you scramble the computers of of the players that you're playing against. When the puck goes in, you don't have to go and kill a player, but there has to be a stiff body check after that player makes a play or, or hopefully he doesn't even have the time to make a play because he knows he has to protect himself because there's going to be someone come in. I mean, you're giving other teams, other teams opportunity to have more confidence, more poise and, and, and composure with the puck because they know there's no, there's no hitting. There's no, there's no aggression to the game. I'm not asking guys to fight, not asking guys to run people through the board. So they get suspended for three games for a headshot. I'm asking players to play the game properly. And if you don't want to play the game properly, and wear teams down, wear them down, wear them down mentally, wear, wear them down physically. If you can't do that, you should not be in the lineup. So we both played for Lindy and, you know, like I have my beefs with Lindy, but what I do know is that whether it's Max Finneganoff, Danny, he was, very, he was very clear in his message. Was he not? Yes. Very clear. I mean, On, that's why he might have he might have brought that in, into the room in in between periods and put it on the video. He he might have definitely would have might have put that on the big screen in the room and been like, "This is unacceptable. You want to win hockey games in this league? We're not going to do it like this." You know, I sent actually I didn't even send it. Uh, a player played in the NHL for a long time, physical player, not a goon, physical player. Okay, sent me a text message with one of my videos that I sent. It was the second one. Uh, it was the Hayden one. Okay. Cause he had, he didn't see the first one. So this is a former NHL player. There's a former NHL player. Okay? okay. A physical player, a very good player, but not a, not a tough guy, not a goon. He was a, he was a, he was a regular player who played hard, sent me my own video to me and said, you want to know what he said? I'll read it to you. He said, basically, like talked about identity. And he said, he said, hold on, I got to go back here because we have, fuck, I, unbelievable. I wish I could read this conversation. Uh, um, fucking, uh, hold on, no, that's, that's the wrong guy. That's some really soft hockey right there. Zero identity. These guys need to get blown up in a video session. Their compete level and care and their care factor challenged. You know, like simple as that. I mean, he, he had some more harsher words, but like uh, the the um, the Aspen one, fucking kid should not even be back on the ice that period. Should be benched and told why he's not playing, and then expect him to go out and play hard in the third period. Tell him to get on the bike in between the second and third, yeah. and you know. And come out ready to play in the third period. And that was about the Asplund hit. And the amazing he, thing is what happened to Asplund after he, after I tweeted after that, that out right after he's on the, he's on the power play. He's on the power play. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no lesson being learned here. Like this is a, this is a, this is a learning year. 
Okay. It's a learning year. Now, granted, remember, I know if you're listening to this, I know what kind of player I was. I understand that, but I know, I know that now, whether, whether I get there or not, um, or a defenseman is a little too shifty for me to make contact. That's one thing, but I know what my job is when I forecheck, if I'm F1, like, I know what it is. You're going to eliminate, even if he just gets rid of the puck, you're still going to eliminate him. So that every time, like you said, you keep going at him and they got to think about it. Yeah. Like there's, and there's it's no- not going to kill anybody. It's not about killing anybody anymore. It, when we talk about um, the game has not changed, but it is, it's gone in a direction that's a little bit different than what it was 10 years ago. Okay. Um, players 10 years ago went in to not only eliminate, but they went in to crush guys. The game's changed. The game's a lot faster today. The, the, the players are a lot shiftier and a lot more skilled. There's, you're still, you still have to do your job. You still have to do your job. And that's go and eliminate um, someone from the play. You have to let them know that you are coming every single time that they go and try and make a play or move the puck. And what happens is you get into the heads of the players that you're playing against. They know that they're going to get hit every time they make a play. So there's going to be times where guys slow up. They take more time to make a play because they're trying to protect themselves. So they don't, because they don't want to get injured. And now all of a sudden that bodes well for your hockey team, because you might've stripped the puck when he, when he didn't make the play. These are all part of the game. They're all part of the game. I mean, and, and right now it's, it, it, it is not about size. It's not about aggression. It is about doing your job. Rasmus Asplin is no different than John Hayden, and he's no different than Victor Olofsson if he ever wants to throw a body check. But, I mean, there is – this should be across the board. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. You need to play the game the right way. Um, this is why this team needs to get Nick Ritchie. I, I've, had, I, I've had a number of uh, – tweet responses i've had dms from from you know media up in toronto um that follow the team that dm'd me when i said paging gmka and they called him a dog they're like he's a dog he's lazy um you know he doesn't utilize his size and and strength all the time and i you know i i mean he's knocked some guys out he's thrown some big checks you've seen him yeah and maybe he's a little marmadukish you know, if you want to call it that, but my God, I would rather take a chance on him at 2.5 million than some other guys that are on this roster that aren't going to, aren't going to bring the juice any night. I'll take inconsistency from a kid who's big. And it's hard when you're big sometimes to find that consistency, to play that way on a nightly basis. That would make, that's what makes guys that were able to stay in the league a long, long time. That speaks to their, their talent even more is the ability to play consistent like that on a nightly basis. But I would take a shot on this guy. I don't know his exact contract situation. I think he's on a two or three year on 2.5. This year and next year at two and a half. (laughs) What are we, what are we waiting for? How has this not even been done by now? And I like, you know, you know, and, and again, like I, and I, I wrote back to these people, like, I, I appreciate the insight. I appreciate that. I said, but that's a guy that I would be willing to take a chance on even at 2.5 
just because of the fact he was a first rounder. So I'll always give him a chance. He's obviously got skill because he put up some, uh, he had that one great year in Boston and uh, you know, he had one great year, but still he had one great year in Boston. So he proved he can put some numbers up and he's shown some nasty. He's you've, I've seen some fights. He's thrown some dirty hits. Yeah. I mean, I don't want guys getting hit in, in a dirty manner, but I mean, I like guys that play with edge. You know what I mean? Yes. If, if he clears waivers, and the Sabers don't take a shot at this guy. He's twenty. And he's twenty six years old. Too. How do like, you not? I mean, how do you not try and change this player if if there are flaws in his game? If there's a conditioning factor, get him in shape. If there's a, a in between the ears factor, teach him and teach him and, and dumb the day, the game down for him a little bit. But you can't afford as an organization to pass on players like this when they're served up on a silver platter. And another guy I heard that's on the market is that Lawson Krause from Arizona. I'd be going after him too. I would be go- like they did with Tuck. I would be going to get big guys that can skate, that finish checks, that have have talent, but also have roles. roles. Nick Ritchie, Nick Ritchie. The you know the the thing with Nick Ritchie is, um, you know, he is a big man. Like he's six, two, he's 230 pounds. Um, he's still a young guy. He's put up some, some, uh, favorable numbers in the, in the national hockey league. He is certainly, um, like a bull. He plays, he plays heavy. I guess the question is why is the Toronto Maple Leafs putting this young man at 26 years old, making two and a half million dollars? Why are they putting him on waivers? This is, these are the questions that come in my mind. When, when I think about Nick Ritchie now, um, if he's also, a total, if he's a complete dickhead off the ice and I don't know this, I, I not, would have known that through Anaheim and his time in Boston, that probably would have come up. I have not heard that before. Um, I'm just, is, is there something that, you know, he is not giving the full, what he can give each and every game. Is he a little bit lazy in his play? What, what, like I'm asking, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what is, what is, I'll tell you what, what is so, he lacking? Someone from TSN and I were messaging. Um, I said, Hey, saw your tweets. Um, you like Richie as a player. He wrote capital letters, dog, always out of shape, waste of time. I said, fuck, I hear you. I said, you're not wrong. Sabres need to get him and try to turn him around. They have nobody like him. I said, very soft team in the league for five straight years. He said, great point. Uh, Don Granato could use that. Um, he said, you, you need more of like a Watson type. Um, that cut type of player anyway. Um, I said, yeah. I said, I said, every team needs a player like that. I said, I think Cassian is another one I'd go after. Uh, I know he's making four million or so, but he can play, um, and that's it. That's it. I mean, that's you know, we we had a, a longer conversation than I asked him if he wanted to come on the pod, obviously. But I mean, like you know, another another one, lazy, uh, out of shape, not very committed, and I'm just like, look, like like that stuff. You never know. Like if a guy is on his last legs, maybe it's a wake up call for him. Maybe it's a wake up call for him. Maybe yeah. you can can try to convince him and encourage him. And you shouldn't have to try to do that when a guy's making 2.5. I understand that. But 
some guys some guys might just need that. Some guys might just feel a little bit of uh, entitlement. Some guys it might have been handed to some guys a little easier than others, and they might yeah. not understand how hard they really have to work to not just get to the league but stay in the league. And that's this is a guy that I would absolutely take a shot on. If he's not an off ice problem, which you already uh, alluded to, we've never heard that. And normally you'd hear that. And that's and and if a guy says dog always out of shape, I mean, I can still work with that. I could still yeah. work with that as he a player. Was a, or he was a, a 10th overall pick yeah. out of Peterborough, right? He just turned 26. His birthday was uh, December 5th. So he just turned 26. Um, he, he is a big man. I, you know, listen, if it comes down to lazy, then that's your job as an organization to have to work that, that young man into something that you believe that he can be in. And, um, you know, I, I would certainly not put, I mean, Nick Ritchie is a, is a player that we haven't had many of for the last 10 years. We haven't had many Nick Ritchie type players. He's very physical. He plays on the edge with some nasty and he's, he's a tough kid. Six, three, two, six, three, two, 26 left winger. You know where I'd put him? Well, he should be on a third or fourth line. Not on this team right now. You know where I'd put it? You're not going to like this. Do you know where I'd put him? I'd, I don't like where you're going with this, but go ahead. I don't give a shit if you like where I'm going with this. We can build our teams however we want. I would put him on the top line with Thompson, if that's the top line, and Tuck. You got 6'4", six, 6'6", six, 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 two guys that can fly, okay? You got some skill, and then you throw a big nasty winger on the side there, and you just let let him do the dirty work. You know, Tage isn't overly keen on you know going to the net and getting abused. Okay, he's he's really not. So you, well, you, I, I, he hasn't shown that he that he that he's not willing to do it. I'll tell you that. So I don't know why you're saying that about Tage. Well, okay. That's, he hasn't that, shown that he he hasn't shown that he's not willing to go to the front of the I'm net. I'm not or, saying he's not willing to go to the front of the net, but to me, Tage looks like a like a a a guy that you know if he were five ten or six six. I mean, like I think he you know he he'd be the same player. I don't think he's timid, but I don't think he's overly keen to get into those really dirty areas to try and score. You know, like. I, I think he's. I think he wants to use his shot from around the top of the circle, hash marks, and rip one home. He's got an unbelievable shot. Yeah. You know, like I, I think he wants to try to drive wide and maybe take pucks to the net. But I mean, like go in there, jam at the net, get cross checked, all that stuff. You know, like like that kind of player. And I think Nick Ritchie is that, and I think he adds a presence. So where? Let me let me ask you this question. And and where does Nick Ritchie and a player like Brett uh, Murray? What's the difference between the two of them? Brett Murray's 23 years old. He, I mean, he makes $800,000. He's 6'5", 236. Is what about the, is him? It, my question is... It's, like, know, it's if, like in the movie Major League. Take Ryan there. What about him? 16 games this year has two goals and six points. I'm just, do we need a Nick Ritchie when we have a Brett Murray who is 
a very big man that is that has done a, a a nice job. I'd like to see him a lot more physical. I'd like to see him a lot more nasty. I mean, he would scare the bejesus out of so many people in this game today if he had a little aggression, a little pop to his game. So the difference for me is that we've actually seen Nick Ritchie do that in the NHL. Inconsistency would be the issue for me with Nick Ritchie in that role. Brett Murray, did he always play that way? I mean, I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he's maybe ever scared anybody. I'm not trying to pick on the guy, but you know, like, you know, you, you play your first year in the American league and you have, you put up good numbers, nine goals, 15 assists, 24 points, 10 PIMS. Okay. Um, you know, 27 games, 20 PIMS, good numbers, good numbers, but that doesn't always translate to the NHL, you know? Um, so, so for me, it, it kind of boils down to that, you know, like Penn state, 21 games, one goal, five assists, like, you're not blowing anyone's socks off with those numbers. I mean, Nick Ritchie put up unreal numbers in well, I shouldn't. Yeah, he put up actually unreal, unreal numbers in junior. Right? So, I mean, and you, so you know, he has that ability to do that. And he put, scored 15 goals. I'm, I mean, I just had his stats in front of me, so I don't want anyone to think that I'm like an encyclopedia. But he he put up 15 goals last year. What 55, 56 games, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, because I 56 just six games, 15 goals, 26 points. Okay, that's not an all star. But I mean, when you're talking about a guy 6'3", 230, that is, you know, that can, that can play physical and, and probably knows that he should be more physical Then I, you know, like I, listen, I mean, I don't, he put I don't up some I think we're comparing, points. I think we're comparing apples to oranges. Yes. I, listen, Brett Murray I mean, and Nick Ritchie. I think, I think the size is the only thing, the only similarity that they have in common. I will, I will say this. I, I've tried to just be a little bit more of a devil's advocate. I would definitely, with 100% certainty, take uh, a waiver on, on uh, Nick, Nick Ritchie. I think we need his size. I think we need his physicality. I think that we need his ability to step up um, for our team if, if things... Um, you know, not get out of hand because nothing gets out of hand with the things. If, you know, if the things escalate, get heated, someone gets hit in a dirty way. Someone runs Darlene, someone runs cousins and maybe he can't defend himself as a, as a 20 year old. But I look again. at beyond, I just look at beyond that. I'm like, what, like Nick Ritchie is, has had a solid NHL career up to this date. He is, he has been a player that, um, you know, has been, in the 15 to 20 goal range a year he's had he's had seasons where he's probably been around a 35 40 point guy but he's a big strong guy and if you can if you can work he's still a young guy he's 26 years old just turned 26 if you can work with him and we have a very young hockey hockey team here in buffalo like these are a lot this is a incredibly young hockey team I mean, Nick Ritchie is going to be one of the older statesmen on the team. I mean, he's been in the league for a number of years. He's already played 380 games. Um, I, I, I messaged with a lot of people yesterday about Ritchie. And I, I think one, one thing, and this will be the wrap on the Ritchie conversation. I think the one thing that someone said is he's from Orangeville, Ontario, which is 
40 minutes, 50 minutes from Toronto, depending on traffic, maybe yeah. a little bit more. Um, and what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of pressure playing, a lot of expectations going to Toronto. I mean, you, you sign out of Boston, you go there. Maybe he just can't, maybe he couldn't live up to his hype. Maybe playing in Boston where, you know, he kind of just, you know, hid in there a little bit, play, you know, like, you know, there wasn't the pressure. I'm not saying there was pressure on him because you have all these studs in Toronto, but, but that was a key signing for them. And who knows if, if, Maybe he didn't take it seriously enough. Maybe he thought it was going to be easy. Maybe who knows what happened after he signed that deal, but, but maybe the hype and the pressure of Nick Richie, Richie, and maybe that got to him. That's a, it's a tough market. It's yeah. a tough, it's a tough market. So, I mean, I think it, I think also what you're looking at when you're looking at Toronto, you know, Nick Richie's making two and a half million dollars this year. I think he made one seven next year. He makes 3.3. Okay. They, when you look at their lineup, they've had uh, some players, uh, you know, they have the toughness in, 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 you know, in a Wayne Simmons. um, And you don't need multiple of these players in your lineup anymore. You need players that are, that have more skill that, that can really play the game the right way. Nick Ritchie, I think they wanted more out of him. Okay. Now they're looking at him going, you know, we're going to have to pay this guy on average two and a half million dollars. Next year, we have to pay him 3.3. Can we get rid of this contract to basically have opportunity to get something else? And they're, they're, they're looking to get rid of him now. They're, they don't need to trade Nick Ritchie because there's nothing, there's nothing out there that Nick Ritchie you can get for him. Well, I with think that, you're just with looking, that salary for sure. With that salary, you're just yep. looking to yep. remove the salary, which gives flexibility to Toronto Maple Leafs to do something uh, else. I thought, I'll say this, I thought when Toronto signed him, I thought that was going to be an amazing signing for them. Um, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he was banged up. I don't know if he had COVID, but I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I was, when, when, when he was available... Uh, I think, how did that all happen? I, I can't remember how he became an unrestricted free agent. Was it, was it his age or was it, was he just, they didn't qualify off. They didn't qualify off for him. Right. You give him yeah, a qualifying offer. Yes. And I think he walked or they let him walk. And I mean, I, I remember saying, and it, like, look, I mean, it's easy for us to throw around numbers, but I remember saying like, I don't care if you got to pay this guy 4 million to come here, you know, because he's, you can pay him less to go to Toronto because that's probably where he wants to go. It's a yeah. better destination march. Buffalo's going to have a hard time bringing free agents in here and paying them you know, what they actually do market price uh, for a very long time. For a very long time. So you're going to have to overpay guys to stay here and to bring them in if they'll come here. So, and, and if you get a Nick Ritchie that is playing on your, let's just say, you know, in between your second, maybe your third line, you're paying him two and a half million dollars, uh, salary cap hit, you know, is that overpaying a guy? He's 26 years old. I mean, he not he for the has, potential. Yeah. And I think he does have potential. I would he really do for that upside. And that's what but my he also, was. he's also giving you a certain type of player, which we do not have a lot of. Every team will know that Nick Ritchie's in the lineup and maybe he's like a Steve Bernier, big bear. Don't wake him. Let him sleep, you know, but 
if you woke him up and if he woke up and came out of hibernation, you have something there. There's something there, you know, and that's with him. Work with him. Um, no, I, I think it's interesting. I think this team desperately needs it. Uh, you wanted to talk about the Frederick hit on Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah. I, I mean, it, that'll be interesting to see if there's a suspension for Frederick. I don't um, think there will be. Really? Do you? Yeah, because I know we watched this. We watched this before because I, I know he got hurt and I hadn't seen the whole hit. And then I watched it a couple times. I'm curious to know why, why do you think he'll be suspended? Because he got hurt. And he's one of the top players in the National Hockey League. And I think that they do look at that. And They're it's Frederick. Looking- Frederick's got a reputation for being a physical player. Buffalo should get him too if they could. But carry on. I, I, again, it. Uh, I think what you're trying to get out of the game is is not physicality and body checks. You're trying to get out of the game um, plays where guys are vulnerable. In yep. a position where they are vulnerable and they can get hurt. And in this situation, Fredericks knew exactly what he was doing. He is, he is a, he's a physical type player and he took advantage of a, um, did he, or was he coming in for the hit thinking that Kaprizov was going to stay on his feet and maybe turn up and then lay a legal body check on him. I, I get what you're saying. The optics are bad. But I truly believe if Frederick wanted to, to really hurt him, he could have drove through him. If you watch, he's, he kind of slows down. He definitely makes contact, but he kind of pushes him down with his arms. Okay. He doesn't skate through him and absolutely destroy him because he probably would have broken all of his ribs. But to me, he, I, he I don't didn't I, see him. He didn't see him coming, Petey. But I think that's the thing is I just think he was already committed, committed to like he didn't move so, his feet. So he didn't move my his question feet is about, whose fault's that on? Is that on Frederick or is that on uh Kirill for putting himself in a bad position? Maybe it's on the other guy who tripped him and put him in that vulnerable position. Who was the defenseman that maybe that almost ran him from behind? I mean, Kaprizov looks like he tried to do everything he could to maybe stay on his feet there too, you know, and then and I don't know, like the game is so fast, man. The game is so fast. Sometimes you look at a guy and you're yeah. like, okay, he's going to get up in time. And then, and I'm going to be able to lay the body on him. And if he was standing straight up, Frederick would have hurt him bad. That would have been maybe a suspendable well, hit. Listen, he did hurt him. And it was a, a body check that did not need to be um, given because he was in a vulnerable, vulnerable position. Therefore, I think that you're you're going to hear some uh, you're going to hear from uh, you know the NHL uh, disciplinary uh, people on this one. You know what I did here last night? Someone sent me a nice little tweet saying, uh, "Sent hey hey at the instigator seventy six greasy sweater sighting at the game tonight." There was a Peters jersey at the game last night. Oh, Unfortunately, no. it was the slug jersey, but. Still a Peters jersey. And I sent out a little, hey, and I mean this. Because I had, I had Mario Lemieux jerseys growing up. Like, that was my guy. I don't, I don't remember having many NHL jerseys, but I know that I had a Lemieux jersey. A couple of them. Okay? Like, that was my guy. All right? Like, I could emulate him right now, skating, 
put on a mock turtleneck and go out. I did a, I did a whole warm up. I did a whole warm up in the American League where I said to the guys, I'm like, I'm going to do a full Mario Lemieux warm up this today, and I want you guys to watch. I'm going to look just like Mario out there, left handed though. And Palmer, the whole time we were playing in the minors, Palmer is dying laughing, okay, because he knew how much I love Mario, and he's like. PD man, you look so much like Mario man, but only left-handed man. Like I had like the mock turtleneck and everything. I could get away with the mock turtleneck in the American league. Cause yeah, you're the same size. You have the same hair. So, so Palmer's like, PD man, you're going to have an unreal game tonight, man. Imagine you score like two goals tonight, man. And then I go, I skate down to the other end because we were playing in Norfolk that night and I skate down to the end and, and, and it was a back to back in, in Norfolk and Connie pulls me aside. He goes, Hey, uh, Hey, you're, you're going to be on the bike. You're not playing. <laughs> you're not playing tonight. And I was like, no way. I don't know if it was because he watched my warm up and thought I was uh, thinking I was trying to be Mario or what, but anyway, so I didn't have many jerseys growing up. And I just remember, and I mean what I'm about to say, and I meant this in this tweet. I said, still makes me smile. I said, because when I was a kid, I used to think, how cool would it be to play in the NHL and have somebody actually spend money to buy a shirt with my name and number on it? And I'll never forget the first time I ever saw somebody with my jersey, and it was in 05, 06. It was my second year in the league toward the end of the year. And I was a healthy scratch that night. And I went up to the 200 level where my tickets were. And I went and sat with my parents for a little bit. And I remember I saw somebody down in the hundred level. And I was like, is that a friggin' Peters Jersey? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, I almost wanted to go down to the person and just thank them. But I didn't because, you know, I mean, I don't know my insecurities of people, you know, thinking like, why would you do that? That's embarrassing. You know, and then in reality, I, I really would have gone down. I should have gone down and said, Hey, listen, like I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm an absolute nobody, but you have my Jersey on. And I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It was, it was like a, it was like a real moment. It was a real moment in, uh, in the NHL for me. And, and it was my second year in the league and I just, I couldn't believe it. And then I, I saw, you know, a few more over the years, not many, I mean, I, not many. And I think, you, you know, like, the team only sold blank jerseys back then. They didn't do what they do now and literally make every jersey and throw them up there for people to buy. You know, obviously you make more, you know, cousins and Darlene's and, you know, tucks now and, and stuff like that. But the jerseys that people want. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Dickhead. But, <laughs> yeah. but it's, but for me, I'll never forget that feeling. I'll, I, you know, because I know, I know what, my limited production was in terms of the stat sheet. And I, I mean, so, I mean, I guess people just appreciated my effort when I was on the ice for those few people that bought it. And, and I thank them if they're listening, but, but I just, it always meant a lot to me. It it still makes me smile to think that whether it's one, two, five or 10, it's probably not many more than that, that aren't family, (laughs) but yeah, it, it it was it was pretty cool. Uh, it's that's really cool. So there was a Peter sighting last night. I just want to throw that out there. Someone thought it was me too because the guy had a little bit of a I beard. Just love when you get like sentimental and just you know start to throw out all this appreciation well, and praise. Well, it's like you know I I do the guy I, I the guy probably you know lost a bet. No, listen to this, Riv. So I went to a 
I went to, there was a, a flea market slash like antique store, big antique store in Orchard Park. It's not there anymore. And I'm walking through one day and I remember I was going to buy this like vintage. And this is after I retired and I was looking for stuff to put in my new house. I just bought years and years ago. <laughs> and I'm walking through and I was going to buy this vintage war sword. Okay. It was like a sword that was worn in like the civil war. Okay. By some Colonel. And it had like, it could have been bullshit, but it was still like, I was going to buy it and like, I was going to buy it. It was super cool. Okay. I didn't buy it. It was like 900 bucks, but I, fuck, I was thinking about it. Okay. And that's when I could, you know, make purchases 900 bucks at the time. But anyway, so like random purchases for 900 bucks. So I'm walking through and I just go through the sports section and there's a slug Jersey there. There's a slug Jersey and it's folded and it's just the slug. And it was like $3. Okay. And I could see it had a number on it. So I'm like, Oh my God, whose shirt is this? Okay. Whatever you do, just please don't be mine. <laughs> I got to find out the name of the store. It was an orchard park. I swear on my kid. And I don't do that ever that this is a true story. Okay. This is a true story. And I, I, I opened up, I don't, I, it was like, I think it was like in a glass thing and I, or maybe it was just on the shelf and I just took it and I unfolded it. I was like, please don't be a Peters. Please don't be a fucking Peters. Please don't be a Peters. And I see the six. I'm like, please be a Vanek. <laughs> please be a Vanek. Seven, six. No. I swear to God. My no, I had a couple. It was three bucks. No. No, I I couldn't I couldn't justify too much. <laughs> no, it just didn't have nearly the meaning that the sword did. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway, so that's a true story, man. Found my jersey, and I've told that story before on the radio. I, I found my jersey for like three, might have even been seven bucks. I can't remember, but it was under ten. Oh, now just, it now it's going way up. It started at three. Well, I, I wanted to shame myself by you're, saying you're, three. You're pricing yourself out now. Yeah, I did. I just gave it a double. I just doubled the price in, in a minute. But I uh, it was under ten bucks. It was three dollars or seven. Oh, now it's under ten bucks. Oh my lord! Yeah, I found it. and I was just like, I was so, I was so embarrassed. I, I, I folded it back up, tucked it back in there, put it behind a few other trinkets, and just kind of moved on with my day. But anyway, yeah. So at least somebody thought it was an antique enough to put it, put it in an antique shop. <laughs> so anyway, how do you think of my hat, Tim Biebs from Tim Hortons? Yeah, that's the uh, that's hot right now, eh? What 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 happens? Like you gotta you drive up for ask for a coffee and you buy a buy a toque with it. Don't ask me how much I paid for this thing just for the show, just to wear it on the show. So my coffee this morning and my toque, I paid or winter hat, however you want to call it, but it's a toque. Uh, I think my whole bill was $27. Looks good though. <laughs> so my large coffee was probably dollar or two, two seventy, two sixty something. And so that means the, the hat was 24 like 20, bucks, 24, yeah. 25 bucks. Yeah. Good purchase. Well, 
it's all in the name of fun, right? So tax write off. I'll write it off next year in the taxes, but I kept my receipt. You're the banker of this of this uh, whole ordeal, so you're gonna have to <laughs> you're gonna have to put that one and file that one for tax time. Anyway, anything else you want to talk about today? That's it. Okay. Episode thirty one. How's the knee? How's the knee before we get out of here? I, 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 you pissed off that I told Gio and, and JR that you had knee surgery? I know. So, so what was, tell everybody what the issue was. I had my first uh, shower in uh, three days. So that's, uh, that was good. Like no, no sponge wipe down, no wet towel. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, for 100%. Okay. I still had, I still had my bath, leg up in the air. Okay. So this is your first shower then. Anyway, that's how's the knee idea. feel? Feels great. Okay. Episode 30. Great chatting with you. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.